I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. We're in the final hour of the program today, and I'm looking forward very much to this conversation with Utah County Commissioner Tanner Ainge. I had forgotten, but uh, there was a Facebook posting by the commissioner in uh, early May, uh, a photograph of himself swearing in uh, as a JAG officer in the Utah Army National Guard, taking the oath to defend the Constitution uh, from all enemies, foreign and domestic. Doing so requires training. Joining the military requires training, even if it is uh, the Utah Army National Guard. You have to leave your family for a time. You have to leave your, uh, your regular day job for a time. And that has come to the Ainge home. Uh, and Tanner joins me now on the program. Commissioner, sir, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Good to be with you, Lee. Can I say I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you and I envy what you are up to. One of my, I don't have many regrets in life, but, uh, and I've shared this on this program a, a number of times, uh, not having served a stint in the military uh, is one of the, if I could go back and rewrite the, the Lee Lonsberry story, it would include at least four years of military service. And uh, the highest of likelihoods is that opportunity has passed me by, uh, but but you, your experience and what you are up to uh, does encourage me and lets me know that, you know what, maybe, Lee, uh, may, maybe it's it's not uh, uh, all behind you. Tell me, how, how old a man are you? I'm 36. 36. That's an unusually high age for someone to be joining the military, and that uh, has been what my fear is. I'm 35, uh, and you at, at, at 36 uh, have joined oh, the Lee, military. Oh, Lee, it's not too late. you got 12, you got 12 months. I <laughs> figure this out. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you that I had very similar thoughts, you know, and I thought my window had passed uh, until I understood and looked at this more and really contemplated uh, with my wife. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I thought the same thing, but really the, the National Guard allows you to join up until 35 and extend that a little bit uh, for JAG officers. Outstanding. Well, I don't have a law degree, so I may not be I may not be uh, following your path exactly. But uh, I'm encouraged by this info you bring to me. T- t- tell me about uh, what happened in May. Tell me about the decision that you made and the path on which you put yourself. Yeah, you know, joining the National Guard is a long process. There is a ton of paperwork, a lot of um, background and medical and uh, that you need to pull together, and then it, it, you submit a packet. So I, I had begun that. Uh, many months before, over a year, and uh, and then finally it came together where they said, "Hey, everything's approved," um, and so I had the opportunity to, to be sworn in. I decided to to do it uh, right then and there, and get it taken care of. 
Outstanding. And w- what's your uh, career path of sorts? W- 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 what, will your, uh, what will be your MOS? Well, because I, because I do have a law degree and I'm joining as a JAG officer, that's really what my MOS is, is, is uh, you know, JAG officers kind of operate under the motto of soldier first, lawyer always. And so we go through the same basic military training. We train with our unit. Right now I'm attached to the 65th Field Artillery Brigade. And, um, but you provide legal services uh, to your unit. And, and so, um, you know, anything that, whether it's soldier discipline or, or assistance with their employers or um, providing, advising on operational law as it relates to the field of battle, those are, those are just some of the things that a JAG officer can, can assist with. And if their unit is deployed, then the their JAG officer would typically deploy with that unit. Mm. One of the the common experiences of those approaching the military with a law degree, uh, or oftentimes with a medical degree, is this uh, this notion of receiving a direct commission, where you essentially are able to jump right into uh, the the career field for which you've been trained, uh, but that still requires a good deal of training, and you. Uh, have some uh, direct commission coursework to accomplish in Georgia upcoming. That's right. And actually, this Georgia piece is more of the just the soldier, the basic soldier training. It, it's kind of the typical basic training, I think, as people envision it. Um, you know, combat, physical fitness, obstacles, rifle, marksmanship, and, and land navigation, that type of stuff. Uh, and then later on, I will receive some military legal specific training. The, the six weeks uh, to be spent at Fort Benning, Georgia, means that you will need to leave town, obviously. Uh, and yet, uh, via a letter that you have shared with the, the Board of Commissioners, uh, you intend to maintain uh, your duties uh, as a commissioner. How are you going to pull that off? Well, it's a really uh, unique situation, Lee. The, I mean, first of all, we hold our public meetings in the afternoon, so in East Coast time, you know, 5 p.m., and they've made some accommodations that, that – you know, I should be able to dial in to meetings. I certainly will not be spending the same amount of time as I would in the office, which is why you'll see in that letter I'm also taking a pay cut during this time. But um, there was a little gap in the law here in that it, it would have been worse off if I had taken military leave because then there would be no commissioner because it would take the whole time I'm gone, this is such a short period, for them to have a special election for an interim appointment uh, only to never fill the vacancy. And so at, at least it would help for me to, to stay in the seat and to work nights and weekends and uh, dial into the meetings and do everything I can to, to maintain this job and keep the business of the county moving forward while, while I'm out on military training. Have your uh, fellow commissioners been supportive? Uh, the outgoing uh, Commissioner Ivy uh, and Mr. Lee, have you had occasion to speak with them yet? Yes, yeah. Commissioner Ivy has been has been very supportive, um, and as have all the county leaders. And, and you know, we have an interesting history in the county. Um, you know, our, our county party chairman Stuart Pay he served in the National Guard. Um, you know, one of our state representatives Val Peterson in Orem, who's also a VP at UVU, uh, has served in the National Guard for many many years. Very senior. Um, in the National Guard. And in the county itself, actually my supervisor currently in the National Guard is uh, one of the lead criminal attorneys in our county attorney's office, Tim Taylor, and he he was deployed recently. And so 
the county has has dealt with National Guard service and with their elected officials or public servants and and uh, is, is really supportive. Outstanding. Uh, well, I admire you, and uh, I envy you, and I wish you the best of luck. Uh, family's all cool with this. Uh, I know you have a number of children. Uh, everyone's uh, supportive and rooting for Dad? Yes. I mean, I have to – anyone who's served in the military understands that the spouse, you know, carries probably the heaviest burden. And my wife has been so incredibly supportive um, of this. We make decisions together, and and – she is willing to do this, and, and, and our hope, even though there, it does come with some sacrifices and absences, is that it just kind of instills in our kids what, what matters and what our priorities are. And, and so we're optimistic that this is, is going to be a really positive experience for our family. Well, Commissioner, thank you for your service, uh, both to the county and to this nation. Uh, best of luck to you, all right? Hey, thanks, Lee. Good to be with you. All righty. Uh, we're going to take in just a moment uh, a break, and then... For the rest of the program, I want to talk to you about service. I yesterday was able to witness something firsthand, a program which has been created in the midst of this coronavirus. It's called Farmers Feeding Utah. Uh, we've discussed it with, uh, with program organizers in the past, and the objective is very simple. Farmers in Utah have had a very hard time uh, because of some supply chain disruptions. They've had a hard time uh, selling their products, their produce. There is milk being uh, dumped out, and there is food uh, that is going to waste. That happening at the same time, there are countless Utahns uh, who have either lost their jobs uh, or whose uh, income circumstances have dramatically changed to the point where food is hard to come by. Well, this program aims at solving both of those problems. It solicits donations. With those donations, it purchases food produced by uh, Utah and other regional farmers, and it gives them no questions asked to those appearing, uh, who those, those who show up at these drives uh, asking for help. And last night I was able to see uh, as bags and bags of potatoes were loaded into the cars of the needy, as corn was handed over to uh, those in need of food in their own pantries who are suffering due to this coronavirus. Uh, it, it changed me to a certain degree. It opened my eyes, and it has fundamentally uh, changed the way I view not only service, but the impact of this coronavirus uh, here in the state of Utah. We'll be speaking with Ron Gibson uh, with Farmers Feeding Utah next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.